Uh, today's reading is from Luke 9, 57 to 62, and this is reading from the English Standard Version. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. This is the word of the Lord. Good afternoon, guys. It's been about uh, three weeks. Uh, my name is Changmin. If you're new, I, I, I'm not a newcomer. I'm one of the pastors here. Even though I look like a non-Christian, I am a Christian. Um, welcome to our community. We've had such a wonderful time away. We came back last night, and um, half of us made it to church. Lois and Eleanor, our second, she fell asleep. This is sort of 1 a.m. right now in Virginia, so I'm slowly falling asleep. So Pastor James, don't get offended if, I'm, um, if I fall asleep. Um, but thank you for your prayer. We had a wonderful time. We haven't gone home in six years. It was the first time in six years. Had a wonderful time. My parents love being grandparents, and it was just, it was just a sweet time. Uh, today, instead of preaching out of vacation, I've planned ahead because I did not want to be prepping a sermon in my last week with my family. I asked my good friend, Pastor James Lynch, and, you know, pastors say they're a good friend, and you're like, yeah, he's a good friend. No, Pastor James is, you know, he's one of my best friends. We can say that, right? As a grown man, we can say best friends. Uh, he's, a, he's a dear friend because we walked this church plant, planting road together. Pastor James came. Last place he was, he was in is Raleigh, North Carolina, Wonderful place. He came with his wife, Kimberly, and Lord gave them a son named Eli. While they're here, Kimberly and Pastor James, they live in Itaewon. Uh, his wife, Kimberly, works at Yongsan International School, uh, serving there as well. And they've just been a wonderful, wonderful couple. Pastor James pastors a church called Freedom Village. It used to be called Seoul International Baptist Church, merged with the church he planted Long story, but now it's Freedom Village, and they're located near Hebangchun, or in Hebangchun, and he's just a wonderful dear friend. One funny story about Pastor James. So it's Pastor James, myself, and Pastor Joel, another another Korean-American pastor, and we always hang out, and Pastor Joel moved into his new office, and then, you know, he got a ping-pong table, and this, like, really nice ping-pong table, right? So me and Pastor Joel, growing up as a Korean-American, you know, we play some ping-pong. Any, any Koreans, you know, we play some ping-pong if you grew up in the church, right? So we, we were thinking, okay, James, he, you know, he's, he probably don't know anything about ping-pong. We invited him. We didn't want to play him. And then he played. He's like, yeah, I'm not very good. We're like, okay, well, we'll teach how to play ping-pong, James. We only, only like few games later, we realized he was downplaying. He actually, his sister competed like, what, state? They were like two best, his two, his, his two sisters, they were like the best players in the state, and he, he is the best ping pong player out of all the pastors in the city, even the Korean ones. Um, I put my money on him. 
but he is a better preacher and a better friend. So as he comes up, I hope you guys are tremendously blessed. He, I, I've seen him. Last week, Pastor Mike did a, I'm not, I'm sorry, I'm going long because I haven't preached in a while. It's 2 a.m. But Pastor Mike, you did a wonderful job. I, I was just so blessed by a message. I've seen Pastor James on his journey as well to, to grow from an early preacher to now just a fantastic, wonderful preacher. So I think we are in for a treat. We are in for a treat. So as Pastor James comes up, why don't you come up? Let me just pray for him. This is his second sermon in like three hours. He left his announcement to make it in time for us. Uh, he's probably tired, so don't talk to him after church. Email him if you have any questions. Don't email me. Uh, but let's pray for him as he gives his second sermon of the day. Lord, we thank you for, um, Lord, I thank you for my wonderful friend who has, who's known our church for years because we've shared so intimately together of all the challenges and joys and the wonderful things of each other's community. And I just pray as, as, as Pastor James, you've called him to preach this word today for us. Even the Pastor James might not know, you know what we're struggling with as, as your people, but Lord, you know, and you have a word for us. So Holy Spirit, we open ourselves to you. We want to humble ourselves before your word and allow your word to do a surgical work in our heart. And I, I just pray for Pastor James to preach boldly the gospel of Jesus Christ. We thank you. Just in we pray. Amen. Well, thank you. Uh, good afternoon. It's, uh, it, it's great to be here and to have the honor and, and privilege of opening up God's word with you. Uh, thank you, Pastor Sungman, for the opportunity to be here. I'm so thankful for you. All those kind words. I'll give you the the lunch afterwards, I promise, for saying good things about me. Um, but uh, so thankful for you, King's Cross. And um, even though I'm sure the majority of you don't know me, um, I've been mindful of you, praying for you uh, since, since this church was, was birthed. Uh, I've known about you. And uh, yeah, you're, uh, you're being prayed for uh, by, by a lot more people than you know. And as Pastor Sungman said, we are really good friends. So thanks. I really appreciate uh, those kind words, so I'm in to be here. Yeah, best friends, best friends, right, right, that's right. <laughs> um, today, uh, I, I want to share a, a message with you uh, on the idea of going deeper with Christ. Uh, it, it's been a, a, a bit of a challenge uh, to be all in, let's say it that way, all in for, for, for Jesus uh, during the pandemic, hasn't it? The last two and a half years. Uh, it's been really easy uh, to sort of become content and, and, and settled uh, with our, our Christian walks. What I, what I mean to say is, uh, I think collectively, there has been this uh, tendency for us as the church to be a, a bit lethargic, a bit halfway in, you could say. We've perhaps, perhaps some of us, uh, have, have lost a bit of our sense of, of urgency uh, at least for me, I know I've struggled. I've, I've really struggled personally to do more uh, than just go through the motions at times, to just be going through the routine of, of, of the Sunday uh, weekly grind. And so with that, today my hope and my aim is just to, to simply show you uh, perhaps once again that Jesus wants so much more from us and for us. I want us to, to once again see that the call of Christ, the call to follow Jesus was and still is a, a call 
to give the entirety of your life, to completely reorient your life around Jesus and the gospel. See, Jesus, we know this, Jesus never, he never asked for just a part of us. He, he never said, I'm okay with you committing like one day a week for me. He, he didn't even say, it's okay to give me two days a week. He said, I want everything. I, I want all of you, all your days for the, the rest of your life. And what that means is that the, the standard for being a follower of Jesus to being a, a Christian is extremely high. It's very high. And of course, we see this throughout Jesus's life, don't we? That actually at times, uh, the standard was so high, the standard was so difficult, the call was so great that even, even his own disciples left him. Like in John chapter 6, verse 66, it says there that many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. You see, even people who were walking with Jesus people who were learning from Jesus, people who showed a desire to be with Jesus. His disciples even walked away from him. And again, why? Why? Because Jesus continually called them to go deeper, deeper in their faith, deeper in their knowledge of him, and deeper in their surrender to him. And so it should be no different for us. Our expectation for ourselves, for the church, should be no different than Jesus' expectation. And so that's going to be our focus today, talking about how we can go deeper with Christ, not just in this season of our lives, but for the very rest of our lives. And so with that, let's jump into God's word together. If you haven't already, I encourage you to turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 9, Luke chapter 9. Uh, there's so much happening um, in this chapter, actually. It's, it's a wonderful chapter of, of scripture. We see in Luke chapter 9 uh, a miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000. We see here uh, Peter's confession that Jesus is the promised king. We also see here that in Luke 9, Jesus predicts his very own death. And, and along with all those things, wonderful things, uh, along with this strong call that, that, that Jesus offers... To, to anyone who would listen, he gives this call. He says that if you want to follow me, if you want to belong to me, you must deny and die to yourself every single day. That, that if you want to belong to Jesus, there must be self-denial, actually, that's rooted in an understanding of your sin. Uh, there must be an understanding that you are in desperate need of a savior. You must embrace the truth that, that Jesus Christ is Lord. And then you must live your life as if those things are actually true. That's what it takes to be a true disciple. Well, then we, we get to the end of Luke chapter 9. And there at the end of Luke 9, we, we see this crowd and his disciples uh, following him. And we know that, that they followed him for a few different reasons. At this point, we know that this crowd, they're following him because they've seen that he has power over demons, that he has power over disease, that he has power actually over death itself and, and power over nature. This group of people, they're, they're following Jesus because of his amazing teaching uh, and, and the incredible authority that, that he had. And they followed Jesus because of his compassionate and loving character. 
That's why all these people are there. It's important for us to understand these people who are with Jesus at the end of Luke 9, they are following Jesus. But then, then, Jesus is going to give them a lesson on discipleship. And so it's interesting because to a group of followers, Jesus is going to call them to follow. And, and, and we're going to see Jesus do that through the example of three different individuals, three different men, actually. And it's through these three different individuals that I want to show you or highlight to you how not, how not to go deeper with Jesus. Uh, we're going to see here three barriers, if you will. Let's call it that if you're taking notes. Three barriers to truly following Christ. Three barriers that hold us back from, from living a truly devoted, a, a truly surrendered, and, and a fully sacrificial life. And so the first one that we see is, is this. Uh, number one, a desire for personal comfort. There's a barrier to following Jesus. We see this in verse 57. It's a barrier for, for, uh, for all of us sometimes, I think. It's a desire for personal comfort. Look at Luke 9, verse 57. It says this, As they were going along the road, we know this is somewhere near Capernaum, someone said to him, uh, Matthew's gospel tells us that's a scribe. So a scribe said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. So here's this scribe. And, and scribes, we know, were very esteemed people in Jewish life. They were looked up to because they were experts in the law, uh, which is the first five books of the Old Testament, okay? So they're experts in the law. And so here's this man who, who absolutely knows the scriptures. And he, he, he says to Jesus, hey, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And in that culture, saying something like that would be the highest level of devotion. Uh, he says, I'm willing to, essentially, he's saying, I'm willing to leave my position and my status behind, and I want you, Jesus, to be my teacher. Uh, I've been walking with you. I I've seen the miracles, the power, the authority. I've heard your, your teaching. I have I've observed your life, and now I'm here, and I'm ready to, to go. But Jesus had seen this type of thing before. Uh, Jesus knew what was in this, this man. He knows human nature. He knows our uh, emotional instability. He knows our tendency towards self-centeredness. He knows our desires. And so while this statement from this man, this scribe, looks sincere, for Jesus, it wasn't enough. He needed him to go deeper. You know, and this is so convicting to me because, you know, I was thinking about this. Like if this situation happened today and a person said to me, hey, I want to follow Jesus wherever he goes, wherever he leads. Like the average Christian, I think, or leader, including myself, would be like, hey, that's amazing. Like, come on up. Like, I will pray for you. Like, sign this card. Let's get you baptized and like ready to go, right? Awesome. But Jesus doesn't do that. Instead, he says something profound. He says, oh, you want to follow me? Then listen to this. Foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. I know for the majority of us here in this room, this is an obvious statement. But I want us to remember that, that Jesus is God. And, and so 
he, again, knew this man's heart. He, he knew the mind of this scribe. And apparently, he knew that this man had a desire for comfort and for ease in his life. And so he goes right to the core of the issue. And he uses two common animals that were found in Israel, the fox and the bird. And he says, look, here, all of us know this. It's common knowledge. We all know that foxes have holes and birds have nests. They have homes, in other words. That's obvious to everyone listening. But he says, I don't have that. Understand. And essentially, the son of man, he's saying, is, is homeless. So he says, even common animals, even common animals have their basic needs met, like shelter. But as for me, I don't even have a place to sleep at night. And what's his point? Why does Jesus say that? Well, what he's literally telling this man is, look, if you want to follow me, all I can promise you is this, that if you follow me, don't expect comfort. Don't expect any level of ease. And this goes back. It's rooted in self-denial. It's connected. Remember, I told you just earlier, previous to this, in Luke chapter 9, Jesus says these powerful words to those who are following him. This crowd, he says this, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and then follow me. So the, the point is clear. That following Jesus is not about self-satisfaction. It's about self-denial. It's not about what do I get when I decide to follow Jesus. It's about what am I willing to give up to follow Jesus. See, we all know all over Israel that Jesus was rejected. He was uh, rejected in Samaria with the Samaritans, his hometown of Nazareth in Capernaum, rejected in Jerusalem. The list goes on and on and on of the people who rejected Jesus Christ. And so now he says to the scribe, look, if you're expecting comfort out of this deal, if you're jumping into this uh, situation because you think we're just going to like waltz in or dance into the kingdom and you're going to be living in this, uh, this grand life, sort of living the dream, you've got it totally wrong. In fact, it's actually going to be the opposite on this earth if you choose to be one of my followers. That you're actually going to be a sheep amongst wolves. He tells them that in the next chapter, Luke 10. You're going to face persecution of all kinds. You're even going to face division, listen, in your own family. You, you might not even have a bed at night. That's what's certain if you come after me. Of course, we know, right? Sure, absolutely. There is a crown, a glorious crown at the, at the end of all of this in his kingdom. But the pathway to get there is the cross. It's self-denial. It's death. Jesus says, essentially, you're going to suffer. That's the point that he makes to the scribe. And sadly, for so many of us, and even for me, so many times in my own life, we're just like this scribe, aren't we? We, we, we just want to add Jesus to our lives. We, we only want the excitement that comes out of following Jesus. We just want the blessings, the, the benefits of following, but we don't want any of the sacrifice. But if you want to go deeper with Jesus, what Jesus tells us so clearly here is that you have to rid yourself of the desire for personal comfort. 
you have to get to a, a point where you're not holding on to anything else any, anymore. Listen, we, we actually do Jesus and the gospel a disservice if we ever lead people to believe that the Christian way is an easy way, because it's not. The first barrier to going deeper with Christ is a desire for personal comfort. The second barrier, I believe we see clearly in this text, to going deep, the second hindrance to following Jesus is misplaced priorities. Misplaced priorities. Uh, the, the second man, and I believe that this happened back to back, simultaneous. It seems to read that way in the text. So, so Jesus turns, he, he, he deals with the first man, and then he turns to another man that's been listening into the situation, and he says to this man, follow me. And what is the man's response? He says, Lord, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Now, uh, this is traditionally a, a bit of a confusing uh, passage. So let me try to explain to you what's happening here. When you first read this, particularly in the English language, uh, you might think or assume that this man's father has died. And so now this man needs to go back and bury him. Okay? But that actually isn't what's happening here. That's not the case. Actually, in Jewish culture, uh, after a person passed away, died, um, the, the standard, the expectation would be you would bury them immediately, within hours, two or three hours at the most within their death. And after that, you would stay. You would stay with the entire extended family, friends. You would stay for a period of 30 days of mourning. Okay? And so you would take a month to, to grieve the loss of that loved one. And to me, that seems reasonable. And, and, if you, and it would have been appropriate for a son in particular to go and do that. Actually, the son would have had the primary responsibility to make sure that that whole funeral and burial process was taken care of. Very similar to Korean culture, isn't it, by the way? And so for me, I believe strongly that, that actually Jesus, because it's Jewish custom, he would have been okay with that. That actually he would have put his hand of approval on that. But that's not what's going on here. Actually, the father hasn't even died yet. And that's the problem. You see, if the father was already dead, the son would have already been burying him and at the place of 30 days of mourning. That, again, that's the Jewish custom. You see, the phrase, I must bury my father there, uh, it's a very common saying that is even used in some Middle Eastern cultures and contexts even today. And what it means is this. This is, changes the whole uh, depth of this passage. So don't miss this. What it's, he's literally saying is this. I must stay at home with my father until he is gone so that I can collect my inheritance. That's what he's saying. So listen, he's saying to Jesus, look, my, my father, he's in, he's in upper age and he's potentially gonna go pretty soon. And listen, I wanna follow you, Jesus, someday. But first, before I do that, 
let me go collect my inheritance so that I have everything that I need to follow you. And that's the problem with this man. See, sure, he's attracted to Jesus. He's been following Jesus around. He's, he's probably even amazed by Jesus to some extent. But at the same time, he loves the things of this world. He loves money. Or you might say he is consumed with the cares of this world. He doesn't have his priorities in place. And at that, Jesus says this. It's actually more of a rebuke. He says this, allow the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. Again, if, if you had a, a dead body decaying in a home, sitting in the home, I, I don't believe Jesus would have said these words. The, the problem was this man's intentions. His priorities were mixed up. They, they weren't Right, and so Jesus responds accordingly. He says, let the dead, in other words, the spiritually dead, let those people who are outside of my kingdom, people who don't follow me, let them take care of the spiritual dead. And what does he mean by that? Well, what he means to say is, simply put, leave temporary things to temporary people. Leave the matters and cares of this world to the people of this world. You, if you want to follow me, you should be different. You are called to come into the kingdom of God and for the very rest of your life to, to go and proclaim the glories of that kingdom. Go and proclaim the gospel. Let, let go of the kingdom of this world. Even things that seem good and go to the thing, the person who is greater. And again, let's be clear. Let me be very clear here. Staying with a parent, right, and receiving an inheritance from a parent is not necessarily a bad thing, right? In fact, we read in the Old Testament that leaving an inheritance to your children is good. Right? God honors that thing. The problem again is, the problem is when we prioritize those things over what should be the main thing. The problem is putting other things before the gospel, putting other things before Jesus. Again, it's a priority issue. Jesus said, if you come into my kingdom, you need to let go of the things of this world. And if you love the world or the things that are in the world, the love of the Father is not in you. Uh, a barrier to deepening our faith is misplaced priorities. Jesus should be first, and he should be central to our lives in the life of a follower of Jesus. And then finally, a third uh, hindrance uh, that I see here in this text to following Jesus, to going deeper, a barrier to going deeper with Jesus is double-mindedness, or I'll say a lack of focus, okay? Double-mindedness. So then a third man speaks. I like this guy, okay? Third man speaks, and this is how that, this situation plays out. He says this. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell or goodbye to those at my home. And this, this guy is probably saying this right after he's heard this last discussion. And so you can picture this just for a second with me. Um, he, he's listened to this scenario. This guy wants to go get his inheritance. And, and he's sitting there sort of self-righteous. You can say 
he's kind of propping himself up and like, well, I'm not like, I'm like that. I'm not like that guy. And so I'm going to speak up. And he says, hey, Jesus, I'm not like these other guys. I'll follow you. And I'm not even going to wait till my father passes away. I only just want to go home and say goodbye. That's what he says. And I think, again, that seems reasonable, especially compared to the last guy. He wants to go home quick and say goodbye to his parents. And how long would a goodbye actually take? A few minutes, right? If he's really trying to be fast, a few days, right? Uh, The weekend, right? Either way, the point I think is it's nothing compared to the last guy. This guy was willing to sacrifice a bit more. But, but you have to understand a little bit about the Old Testament to know what's actually happening in this situation. We know Elijah was perhaps the most famous prophet ever in Israel. Jewish people revered him. They honored him. Uh, they actually looked forward and believed that he would come back again. Okay? And when he was about to turn over his ministry to a man named Elisha, something really interesting happened. And we read about that in 1 Kings chapter 19. So here's what it says. So he departed from there, that being Elijah, and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing, he's farming, with 12 yoke, 12 pairs of oxen in front of him, and he was with the 12. So he's... Elisha is behind 12 pairs of oxen. And then Elisha passed by him and cast his cloak or his tunic upon him. And he, that's Elisha, left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said this. Listen to this. It's very important. Let me kiss my father and my mother and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Elijah said to him, go back again for what have I done for you, to you? See, Elisha was being called by God, but also by Elisha to go and to follow Elisha, to to learn from him, to to carry on the ministry of a prophet. And, And so knowing this, Elisha's only request His one request before he he leaves is a very familiar one if we've just read Luke chapter 9, isn't it? He says, let me go say goodbye to my parents. And what is Elijah's response to that? Elijah says, what have I done to you? In other words, translation English, he says, of course. Why would I not allow you to go back and say goodbye to your parents? Go back and say goodbye and then come and follow me. So now taking that situation and and bringing that back into Luke chapter 9, we have a very similar scene with a very similar question, which means from a, a Jewish perspective, which was the context here, these Jews listening and following, the disciples and the followers there that day listening to this surely expected the same exact response from Jesus that Elijah gave to Elisha. But what does Jesus say? Jesus says this, verse 62. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. In other words, this, listen, 
the sacrifice, the urgency, and the call to follow me is so much greater than the, than the call to follow Elijah. My mission is so much more important, so much more desperate, so much more significant. But not only that, notice here that Jesus uses the illustration of a plow. He's referring directly back to Elisha. And we have to understand that in that day, whenever you plowed a field, in order to, for the farmer to keep those uh, those fields straight, which is important for the growth and the health of the farmland, we know that they had this really interesting tactic, that what they would do is they would be behind the oxen or the, or the horses, and, and, and to, to go straight, they wouldn't look directly in front of them. They would actually look at objects far off in the distance as they, as they plowed those fields. Because what would happen, you see, is that if the farmer started to plow and he, even for a moment, started to look to the left or the right, or to, if he kept looking behind, he would, he would never go on the path of the straight and narrow. He'd go off the course. He'd, he'd get things off track. And so Jesus is saying here, listen, in the same way, you need to keep your eyes fixed forward. Fixed forward. You need to not be distracted any longer, even even by your own family, don't get distracted. Stay focused on me. That's what it's going to take to truly belong to me, to truly follow me. It's a single-mindedness. It's a heart that, that never looks back. That's the message here from Jesus. And look, we, we, don't, we don't ultimately know what happened to these three men that day, but Sadly, it seems from the language here and the context, the feel of this passage that they decided to, to turn away. That the depth of sacrifice that Jesus was requiring of them was just too much for them to handle. And, and, and listen, though, we, we must not be mistaken. That this, this message today that Jesus was giving was not just a message for these individual three men 2,000 years ago. Jesus is asking the same from us and the same for his church. He wants us to be all in. He, he, he wants us to be willing to give the entirety of our lives to him. And, and what does that take? What does it take to follow Jesus? How do we go deeper in our faith and, and deeper in our walks with the Lord? Well, I think Jesus has told us here, we need to rid ourselves of the desire for personal comfort. We, we, we must keep our priorities pure and our priorities true. And, and we must have a single purpose, a single mindedness, a single focus. We must, we must strive to fix our eyes on the person of Jesus Christ and, and his gospel and his gospel alone. And so that's my, my prayer for you today, King's Cross. That, that going deeper with Jesus would not just be a hope but that it would actually be a, a felt reality in your community. That you would join together, sincerely, genuinely, 
and, and encourage one another to, to deny your, yourselves, to, to die more to self than, than you ever have before. That there would be a, an even greater willingness to, to sacrifice here for the kingdom and, and for one another. And that there would be a, a willingness to, to give up everything that we have because of an understanding that knowing and being with Jesus is infinitely greater. So in your life, let me ask you this as I close today. What tends to hold you back? What's a barrier for you? What tends to be a barrier for you to truly following Jesus? Maybe it's a problem of, of comfort. Maybe it's a problem of your priorities. Or maybe, maybe today, as you search your heart, you, you recognize that your heart tends to, at times, wander off the path of the straight and narrow. Again, listen, Jesus doesn't just want some of you. He doesn't want shallow faith. He wants all of you. He wants deep faith. So the question I leave you with is a simple one. How are you responding to this call today? How are you responding to the call to go deeper in your faith? Let me pray for you. Jesus, we, we love you. We thank you for your, your glorious gospel. We thank you that we have right standing before God today if we are in Christ, not because of anything that we have done, not because of anything that we could ever do, but because we have inherited your righteousness, Jesus Christ. Jesus, you, you lived a life that we could never live. Jesus, you, you died a death that we deserve to die because of our sins. Jesus, you, you rose again victorious from the grave so that we could have the opportunity to have fullness of joy, fullness of peace, eternal life now, here and now and forever. So Jesus, because of, the, because of the richness of the gospel, out of a, a true understanding of who you are, Jesus, and all that you've done for us, help us once again, or, or maybe for the very first time, to be willing to, to go deeper with you, to be all in, to hold nothing back from you, Jesus, because you and you alone are, are worthy. God, forgive us for the times that we seek comfort outside of you. Forgive us for the, the times and, and the seasons where we get our priorities misplaced. Jesus, forgive us when our hearts and minds wander from the path of life and truth that is found in you. God, help us to once again devote ourselves to keeping our minds our eyes fixed on you, Jesus, the author, the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. Jesus, again, you are worthy of it all. And so we're here for you, Jesus. We're rededicating our life to you once again, Jesus. We're saying once again, 
living this life for you and your kingdom, Jesus, it's worth it. It's worth it. There's no one like you, Jesus. We're here for you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.